0: Welcome to this week's Midweek Mini. I'm your host, Ian. With me today is... Steve. <laughs> That's how you start it. Right. You just gotta come out the gate hard, bro. <laughs> I'm excited about these Midweek Minis. I am too. I've actually heard more positive reviews in the last couple days. Um, mm-hmm. Not really a couple days, I guess a few weeks. Um, that people like it because oh, yeah. it's quick. It's quick. And it's, and it's, it's full of And it's very, very... Especially episode two. Yep. episode two is full of meat (laughs) however i don't think there were any chickens actually harmed in that episode
1: (laughs) not during the episode
0: not not (laughs) cooking the episode nothing
1: there was just there's no
0: actual chicken consumed or hurt
1: this is episode four and it is pinion setup so brian mize is back with us again and this week we are talking about getting pinions put into the axle housing so welcome back brian
2: gentlemen appreciate it
1: absolutely we love having you here last week's um episode got a ton of good reviews they love listening to you talk about gears and they were overwhelmed like they they could not handle themselves that they had to wait another three weeks to finish up on learning about gear installs they wanted us to run it out in one full episode and i said absolutely not 30 minutes or less <laughs> 30 minutes or less there will be no
0: compromises. Somebody was posting that they wanted to go back and they were listening. They're like, what other episodes of oh, the podcast yeah. talk about axles and gears? And I'm like, just go sit on your hands
1: and watch some <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> like, it'll be okay. But I love the excitement. So yes. that's good. So like I said, we are doing pinion install this week. Uh, And I'm just going to let Brian take it away with uh, wherever he starts on doing opinion. So we've opened up our box. And there's your shiny new ring and pinion, and you are ready to fondle it. Well, you post it on Instagram first, sorry. Oh, yeah. I you didn't take know a if picture. we were going to cover that. All but right. Yeah. Take a picture of your shiny new pinion, and then post on Instagram and tag Gear Install 101 yes. Okay. Then. <laughs> your turn, Brian. Ah,
2: okay. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> I was waiting. You kind of had a flow there. All right.
1: I <laughs> had a flow. <laughs>
2: So this is specific to pinions, so I figured what we could do is just uh, talk about uh, pinion in the context of setting up the gears, and then we can move to pinion in the context of final assembly. Cool. And then, of course, with later episodes, we can fill in the gaps of what happens in between. I like it. All right. So one thing that um, I see happening a lot online when people are posting up how to set up gears and whatnot is they get there, they get the parts. They get everything set up, and uh, you 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 can tell from the post that they're having a hard time. And come to find out, the one thing that sometimes gets missed is having a decent set of setup bearings. There are actually people that will go and for every move they make, they are pressing on and pressing off a bearing. Which I was fortunate enough when I started this to have some material that said, "Hey, stop and make some setup bearings because your life will be just so much easier when you do it." I mean, the job takes long enough. Let's not try and make it harder than it needs to be. So setup bearings basically can be made from the old pinion bearings that you're removing from the axle when you're setting up the new gear set. What I like to do is either you can use a a carbide rasp or sanding bit, a three-quarter inch stone that you can buy at Home Depot. Mm -hmm. I set it up in a drill press. I put the bearing on the drill press table. Raise the table to where the uh, inner race of the bearing is fully in contact with either the carbide rasp or the stone. Turn on the drill press and just start working the bearing around until it's a nice snug slit fit around the pinion. Now, just word of warning, the stone does take some time, but you can get a little more exact with it. The rasp will take away a lot more metal in a shorter amount of time, so you want to you know, be a little careful and check often the fit.
1: And wear your safety glasses.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah so
1: <laughs> especially i'm gonna that.
2: go ahead and say that if you're at the level where you're installing gears you have some idea of the proper use of ppe so i mean i will at least say this do not wear gloves when you're making a setup bearing on a drill press please
0: don't be a dummy. oh you've never done that yeah. don't don't wear gloves okay so do not My wear thing. gloves
1: yeah that sounds terrible
0: yeah it scares the shit out of you i've had a couple panic moments with shirts and did it lock up the drill press no thank god it like I don't know. I don't remember what happened, but I just remember I've got some kind of article of clothing stuck in a drill press once. Yeah.
2: So shameless plug to rogue fabrication. I have their four to one drill press reduction kit. Uh, Uh, There's no stopping that.
1: No. Yep. Yeah. Send her through there. I'm actually glad that I interjected there because I have not had that happen. I've been very fortunate. Oh yeah. All right. No gloves. Just get in there and get rowdy or like maybe some like rubber gloves.
2: Oh, uh, Maybe. I don't know, bro. No comment. I not don't even wear gloves with right. the drill press. Let's put it that way.
1: Yep. God, I'm not using a rasp if we're doing it without gloves. <laughs> I'm not I've, yeah. I've lived that Nobody. life. Yeah. All right. So.
2: But so anyway, you'll work that pinion. You'll work the inner pinion around. Actually, the inner and outer pinion bearing. You'll work that around whatever you're using, whether it's a rasp or a stone. And you will often check it on the pinion. As soon as you're able to get a nice snug slip fit on the pinion, Congratulations, you have made a set of setup bearings. Nice. That's what I need. So then what I like to do next, and this is the context I'm speaking right now, is an axle where you place the pinion depth shims between the end of the pinion and the inner bearing. So this is this is typically like a GM 8.6 or a GM 9.5, um, basically any Ford C-clip axle and anything that's close to that. Dana axles are a little bit different. I'll get to that in just a second. Okay. So essentially, what I generally recommend when anyone's asking is you've got everything apart anyway, you've removed the original bearings from the original pinion, and lo and behold, there was an original shim there. So start with that. So you've got your brand new shiny pinion, you've got your brand new pinion bearings that hopefully you have cleaned up any any dust or particulate that was created whenever you made them, and then you've lubricated them with a little bit of gear oil. Mm -hmm. That's kind of critical right there.
1: On your setup bearings?
2: Yes. Okay. Yes. Clean them up. Clean yeah. them up after you've made them a slit fit. Uh-huh. And then put just a few drops of oil enough to coat the rollers and in the inner race once again. Uh, it makes setup a lot smoother.
0: Okay. I wouldn't have thought of that. No.
2: And so you take your pinion, you throw your factory shim on there, you slide your inner pinion bearing on because you've just made it a nice snug slit fit. Oh, sorry, I missed a step. So typically once those are made, you can kind of take a step back and celebrate the success of making some setup bearings. Uh, the next thing that I typically do is I'll go to the axle housing, whether it's in the vehicle or on a work stand, it doesn't really matter. I'll remove the old races and then install a new set. And we touched on this last mm-hmm. week with proper tooling. You do not want to install the new pinion races with a hardened steel punch yes at the very minimum use a brass drift yep or use a race driver kit a race driver kit is preferred because you can basically square that up on the race and if you've got it set up right from the first whack of the hammer it starts seating and then kind of a tip on that Mm -hmm. you know the bearings are seated by the way the hammer feels when you hit the race driver Mm -hmm. if once it's seated and you hit yeah. it with a hammer and the hammer feels like it immediately bounces off the handle like you're throwing a bouncy ball against concrete. It's seated. There's also a notable difference in the way it sounds when you're driving it in. Typically, it's a high pitch metal plink sound once it's fully seated.
1: Oh, yeah. You definitely know the difference. It's like a thud as it's going down. And then when it hits, it's just like, yeah, it's like a ting. Yeah,
2: cool. Yep, yep. I want to say it because there's been plenty of times where somebody thought they somebody had thought they'd seated the race. Yeah, they come to find out they didn't. So typically, what I'll do is I'll shine a light in the housing just to make sure that I can clearly see that the race is fully seated. So you've got your setup bearings made. You've got your factory shim on the new pinion. You've got your inner pinion bearing slipped into place. You've got your new races properly installed. Also to note. Cleanliness is a major factor. So this, these statements assume, and I hate using that word, but if you're this far into it, if you're this technical, the statements assume that you have done your due diligence to make sure that the housing is as clean as you can get it. You've got all the old oil washed out, you've got any sort of debris washed out. Cleanliness is a major key here. So cleanliness is a given. Races are installed, interpinion bearing is in place, as is the interpinion shim. You simply put that in the housing. You reach under or reach around and put the outer pinion bearing in, slide the yoke on, put on the washer, put on the pinion nut. I generally torque that down to where I get about uh, half a turn free spin just so there's enough load that uh, it'll provide some resistance against the ring gear. And then once that's all in place, I'll proceed with going through the, the typical setup, which is the many iterations you have to do, changing pinion depth shims, adjusting backlash, and what have you. It was kind of a lot right there. Any any questions right there? Or did, it, so uh, did it follow well?
1: You said you put the new races in and you get the setup bearings on it with the original shim. And that shim was for depth? Yes, okay. pinion depth. And then you put it all together and you put it in there and you put a little bit of load. You put just enough torque on the pinion nut to provide enough load so that it doesn't free spin, but it has just a little bit, of you know, a half a turn when you like try to flick it.
2: Yeah, I mean if you if you try yeah. to spin that by hand, if you mm-hmm. get if you get about a half turn or half, maybe yeah. a little bit less, I would say you have good preload on that pinion for running a pattern.
1: Okay. And so you it, you haven't installed any preload shims?
2: No, not for setup. Okay. Okay. No, so so yep. right, right now we're just talking about what you do with the pinion whenever you're setting up the ring gear. Okay. Whenever cool. you're setting up the gear set.
1: Yep. I would just run into that because I like I said, I have no idea. Like I just haven't done it. So that's good to know. Right. That's something I didn't know. I thought you had to set preload. I thought you just like, you know, we're throwing it in there and we're getting the preload and everything set before we even do it. So.
2: No, cool. it's just a, you're, you're reusing the old pinion nut. Um, those are typically deformed thread style lock nuts. And they still have, they typically still have enough bite they'll hold for setup purposes. And of course, like mentioned, um, there should be a little bit of oil on the bearings. Right. Um, do not use setup bearings dry. You definitely want to have them lubricated with the same oil that you're going to be filling that diff with when you're done. Cool. Okay, and so like mentioned, you'll go through your iterations to set up the the ring and pinion, um, as mentioned either through any write-ups that I may have provided or advice on the the group. Mm -hmm. And um, that's basically how you handle the pinion for setup. Um, The beauty of the setup bearings is if you find out that you need to change a pinion shim, it's very easy to take the nut off, pop the yoke off. The bearings are slip fit, so everything just comes right out by hand. You remove all the bearings, you change the shim as needed. Whether it needs to go, whether you need a thicker shim to go deeper, or you need a thinner shim to pull the uh, to pull the depth out, mm-hmm. um, it's all very easily done with uh, your basic hand tools. And because you made the bearings a slip fit, uh, there's that there's added benefit off. of not having to use a press every time you need to change a pinion shim for setup. Hmm.
1: That seems a lot nicer when, than when we did it, for sure. Okay, so oh, we've it's, got... It's so, much nicer. Yeah. So how do we find pinion depth?
2: So you have pinion depth tools. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from what I understand, there's ways to... Some pinions are marked with where pinion depth should be, and there's a tool to use it. Mm-hmm. Personally, I've never used the tool. Okay. Uh, I've always relied on the contact pattern. Okay and many people have different ways of reading the contact pattern what i generally shoot for is uh, a nice contact that is centered on the gear tooth between the root of the tooth and the crown of the tooth in my experience it doesn't necessarily have to be perfectly centered it can be towards the the toe or the heel of the tooth or basically towards the the inside or the outside of the uh, diameter of the ring gear Uh but as long as it's centered between the root and the crown um you're pretty much good to go and that in my experience if it's centered on drive side it should be centered on coast side and vice versa especially if it's a well-manufactured gear okay which actually um that, that reminds me one thing to check before you go through the effort of starting to run patterns when you pull the gear out of the box it's good to look at what the factory lapped pattern looks like i say this because it's bitten me before where Apparently, something went a little wonky at the factory, and the lapped-in pattern was a bit, we'll say, odd.
1: But it's lapped-in pattern.
2: So, when the gears are manufactured, and this is why you never mix. So, say, for example, you had two brand-new gear sets. They're both 410 gears. Yeah. You never mix them up. You never put a pinion from one gear set with a ring gear of another, for the most part. And that's because, once they're manufactured, they are lapped together at the factory, and they become a match set. That's wild. Yeah, it's uh, that's Makes sense. something I learned a little later on. But you can actually see, if you look carefully at the gear, mm-hmm. uh, when it's pulled out of the box, you can actually see the lapped-in pattern.
1: And it's kind of polished. to the, That's like going to have more of a polished finish, I assume? Correct. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yes. So you'll kind see of like that. how you would lap in um, engine valves to the head, to the right. seats. Mm-hmm. So there was a twice, actually. And it seemed to only be with a GM nine-and-a-half-inch axle. No matter what I did, the pinion gear was calling for more shim. When I ran the pattern, sorry, not the pinion gear, but the gear set, the gear set kept calling for more shim. Every pattern I ran was reading shallow. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I had so much pinion depth shim on there. My experience was telling me, hey, look, you know, typically I've never had to set up a nine and a half inch axle with this much pinion depth shim. Mm -hmm. And so my workaround was I had to really load up the pinion nut. And run the pattern as hard as I could to get a to get a more distinct pattern on the gear tooth, and that's when I this it kind of dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. So I pulled the gear, pulled all the gears out, wiped everything down, and looked. And the pattern was the the in pattern from the factory was off, <laughs> and so it just wow. it took a little bit of um, basically just grunt, tightening up that uh, preload for the setup and running that pattern as hard as I can to actually get something that was legible. Wow. And uh, it ended up it ended up working out. But let me tell you, it was about 10 o'clock at night trying to get all that stuff together. So it was a little bit unnerving.
1: I, I would have never thought of that.
2: Well, so it was one of those deals where, um, I mean, it was my personal vehicle and I right. needed it for the week. Right? So I had to finish it.
1: Yeah. And you had enough and, experience to do without getting too frustrated anyway.
2: Well, uh, didn't didn't save me from getting frustrated, but it definitely helped to, to kind of understand, okay, what I'm supposed to see, you know, just trying to figure out a trick to get something legible.
1: So, moving towards uh, final installation of the pinion and setting preload.
2: All right. So at this point, we'll go ahead and assume that we've gone through all the iterations that we needed to get a get an acceptable um, pattern on our ring gear from running the, from running the pinion depth. We know what shims we need or adjustments we need to have backlash set properly. So now we're at final assembly. We're putting the pinion in. Oh, I'm sorry. One little tip. No problem. So order of operation is a little bit different for Dana axles. Pinion depth is set by putting shims behind the inner pinion bearing race. So I'm not going to sit there and try and reduce the OD of, a, of an inner pinion bearing race on my drill press. Yep. Um, I do not have the proper tooling to do that anyway. So what I like to do, and this is where it might be worth it to just pick up extra shims if you can, what I like to do is I'll go through the typical disassembly that you would when you're tearing down an axle. I'll remove the shims from behind the interpinion bearing race. I'll measure the thickness. Let's say for conversation's sake, it's 30,000th thickness. Okay. So I'll take that. I'll write it down. I will put the interpinion bearing race back in the housing without any shims. So I'll drive it all the way in. Mm-hmm. Then I'll build a 30,000 thick uh, shim pack to fit on the Dana pinion. Now they won't be an exact match, but as long as you get it close enough, it works for setup purposes. And then of course you would go and create the pinion bearings the same way you would for a for an axle design that uses shims between the inner pinion and the pinion head. You go through the setup and once you land on the pinion depth shims you need, that's when you would remove the inner pinion bearing race. You would build a shim pack that is equal to the thickness of the setup shim pack that you used between the inner, inner pinion bearing and the pinion head on the Dana pinion and install it that way. I said pinion a lot. Did that make sense?
1: Uh, sort of. I'm, I'm trying to follow you. Obviously a little bit harder in audio than in visual for me anyhow. Right. But uh, this is exactly what I struggled with on the Dana 44 when we set it up. And this is why I think that the gearing failed because we used the pinion shims in behind the race. I think that's right. Whatever it was, yes. the shims we yes. used behind the race made it almost impossible to slide the, sh- the pinion in and out. And it was unbelievably
2: annoying. All right. So, OK, you were gearing a Dana 44, right? Yes. <clears throat> All right. Well, so let's put it in the context of that axle. So yep. you yourself, you were in the garage. You knocked out that inner pinion race. And you had a bunch of shims behind it, right? Yep.
1: I assume right. I, it's been four years ago. But yes, I'm assuming that they were in, they were in there.
2: Okay. Well, I would hope with as much frustration as it caused you, Let's you'd remember they were. it well. <laughs> <laughs> it was all right, so. Uh-huh. So you, you've got that. You've knocked out the opinion-bearing yep. race. You've got the shims that were behind that race. Okay. Okay. So the very next thing you do is you take all those shims, make sure you got them all, mm-hmm. keep them together, set them aside, reinstall that race
1: with no shims. Okay? Mm-hmm.
2: No shims. Yep. All right. So you've reinstalled that race. You know, you, you, you did it till you, you, you drove it in until the hammer bounced off the race driver punch. It uh-huh. made the, the distinct sound that it was seated. So, you know, you're good there. Right. So you go over to that shim pack that you removed from behind that pinion bearing and measure it. Let's say it measured thousandths. Okay. Okay. So record that number, write it down on a piece of cardboard with a Sharpie, what have you. Right.
1: And now you're going to put thousandths shims between the pinion head and that inner bearing. Correct. Okay.
2: And let's stop right here and just make it known that that is not Dana design. There are no shims between the inner pinion bearing and the pinion head on a Dana axle. Okay. This is strictly for setup purposes. Okay. So for setup, you've got your setup bearings. You would build a shim pack to fit the Dana pinion, and you would put it on the pinion, and then you would put your inner pinion bearing on. So those shims, those setup shims, are between the inner pinion bearing and the pinion head. Right. And then you would go through your setup process with that setup until it's time for final assembly. Okay. So let's say that through all the iterations, all the crying and beer drinking, you landed on say 35,000s. <laughs> thousandths. Uh huh. All right. Okay. So then what you would do on final assembly when you're putting in your brand new inner pinion bearing race, mm-hmm. you would build a shim pack at thirty-five thousandths and install that behind your inner pinion bearing race. And then when you put your pinion together, you just, you would do it per Dana design. You would press the inner pinion bearing on all the way with no shims behind it okay. onto the pinion.
0: So the key concept here to shorten it up, I guess, Go ahead. is you're putting those shim, that 30,000s pack in, but you're not putting it under the race. Because so you don't you have can, to remove yeah. that race in and Every time 13 times. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Right. It keeps you from having to make a setup race as opposed to a setup bearing. It's easier Definitely. to open up an ID mm-hmm. than it is to decrease an OD.
0: Yep. So that, that's, it's basically that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that so, simplifies it as fast as you can. Cause that's what, I mean, that's what right. I kind of came to. I was like, Oh, it's literally just a setup on the front side. So you don't
1: have to pull that race in down. Right. So we've put the 35,000 under our new race and now we've installed this into the housing. And that sets our pinion depth? Yes. But not our preload?
2: Not the preload.
1: Okay. So now we've got the new bearings installed on our pinion, and we've got our uh, shims in the right place, depending on what axle you're using. And now we're going to do preload. How do we set preload on non-Dana axles?
2: Okay. So we'll just assume that you mean crush sleeve. Okay. Okay. So one thing to note when you're setting pinion when you're setting the pinion bearing preload with a crush sleeve axle or with an axle that is a Dana axle you're gonna to have to have the oil seal installed i want to mention this little tip because it's bitten me before so the the pinion seals they're they're just your your simple lip seal it's got a garter spring on the ID on the inside of the seal if you're not careful installing that seal sometimes the garter spring will pop off and you won't know it so what I like to do is I like to pack the backside of the pinion seal with Vaseline. I'll fill that, you'll you'll flip it around and you'll see with the garter spring I'm talking about and you'll see that there's a kind of a cavity all the way around. I pack that cavity full of Vaseline. And what that does is the, the kind of the, the shocks that that seal sees when you're driving it in and whenever you're trying to manipulate the pinion to get it in, the Vaseline helps to hold that garter spring in place. And it makes it harder for it to pop off. That's
1: good to know because I'm pretty sure we definitely knocked that ring, that spring off more than once in installing the pinion.
2: I've had it happen to me. (laughs) So I'll, I'll, I'll pull the pinion nut. I'll move the, I'll remove the yoke and I can see the garter spring just kind of chilling out on the pinion.
1: (laughs) You're like, damn it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Right. It's frustrating.
1: So, okay. So So we've got that, got that packed full of Vaseline and we've got it put into the housing. And now the pinion yes. is in there.
2: So first things first, you will put the crush sleeve on the pinion. You will insert the pinion into the housing and uh, hold it in place as best you can. Uh, with your free hand, you'll reach around, you'll place the yoke on there, on the as much of the pinion that's sticking out. A lot of times you're able to put the yoke on, put the pinion nut washer on, and engage the pinion nut maybe two or three threads, but not fully. And then you would carefully... Uh, tighten the pinion nut to draw the pinion in. So the outer pinion bearing is going to be a little bit of an interference fit. It's not going to slide all the way on. So you're going to have to pull the pinion up against that interference fit until uh, you come in contact with the actual crush sleeve. And you'll know you've come in contact with the crush sleeve because the pinion nut feels like it just got really tight really quick, but you still have slop in the pinion. From there, if you've got a really strong impact gun, you can controlled and that's the key controlled mm-hmm. start tightening that pinion nut until you start feeling the axial play and the pinion go away
1: okay a little bit at a time then or do you like you're you're kind of moving it
2: so fortunately i've got a, a pretty hefty air compressor and a lot of times i'm able to just uh take care of the crushly with my impact gun so it's fairly loose to start and i'll start hammering on that thing And, uh, of course, I'll I'll hammer on it. I'll stop. I'll check axial play. If it's clear that it's loose, I'll keep going. At the instant you no longer have axial play, you're in a situation where the crush sleeve is crushed enough to where the bearings are in contact with the race. It's at this point you want to be very, very careful what you're doing. Because if you overcrush the crush sleeve, the only way to fix that correctly it. Is to remove everything, put a new crush sleeve on and start oh,
0: over. Sounds terrible. Done it.
2: <laughs> that's why, that's why, uh, install kits with crush sleeves come with two. Wow.
1: Okay. So once, once yep. you've gotten it to the snugged up point where you no longer have play in the pinion, um, do you then check your preload with your, uh, dial, not your dial style, but like, um, bar your, type. Your bar m- your style. style. Yeah, your,
2: yep. Yeah, it'll it'll either be your (laughs) bar-style torque wrench, uh, inch-pound. That's the key, inch-pound. Yep. It'll be your bar-style inch-pound torque wrench, or it'll be a dial-style inch-pound torque wrench that does not click. What's
1: the number we're looking for?
2: It depends on the axle. Okay. Uh,
1: But it'll say in the instructions. Mm -hmm. It'll
2: say in the instructions. Okay, so the axle I tend to gear the most because, um, at least down here in Houston, you have a pretty pretty decent street truck scene. Uh, I do a lot of GM 8.6 rear ends. Yep. So uh, typical preload range for those is fourteen to nineteen inch pounds.
1: Okay. So we're gonna so uh, with that. Go ahead. I was just gonna say you're gonna continue to use the impact to tighten that up until you get to that number, with hopefully not going. So at
2: that point, at that point, you can use the impact. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are, if this is your first gear set, I would recommend not doing that. Okay. Um, only because. With If you're using an impact, there's a little bit of a finesse that goes with it. You kind of have to, I guess, know your impact well enough to be able to understand the controlled blast that it would need to tighten the pinion nut, but not overcrush the sleeve. Yeah,
0: because from right. my experience, it changes quickly. Once you get once once quickly, you started crushing very, that, very quickly. it's, I mean, it's it a crazy because we use the ratchet and a bar um to turn it. And it would, I mean, we'd move it, I don't know, maybe an eighth of a turn. Really? And it was, I mean, it's not, it doesn't take much to move it. Okay.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's not uncommon for me to look for any kind of mark on the socket. Yeah. And just kind of visually line it up with some reference point, maybe like a, a ear and a, an ear of the yoke. Mm-hmm. And I'll just watch how much, whatever it is on that socket moves in relation to the reference point that I picked on the yoke. Because like you said, it increases quickly. So whether it's uh, finesse with a, a breaker bar or a long ratchet or with controlled blast from your impact, you want to slowly bring that pinion nut down to where you're, you've got the, the preload within spec.
1: Awesome. And then once you have that within spec, you're done, right? Is that correct?
2: You are. Yes, you are done setting pinion preload. Um, and just a note when you're checking pinion preload, uh-huh. You don't want, you You want to, it's, it's kind of a, there's a lot of things going on at once. So it's a rotational torque. Yeah. So basically you're having to look at the wrench, the torque wrench, as you're turning the pinion nut. So for someone that uh, doesn't know the process, it does look a little weird,
1: but you're having <laughs> yeah. to
2: follow. It, it is kind of entertaining for customers. You have to follow the wrench around as you're turning mm-hmm. it because it's measuring rotational torque.
1: Yeah, at this point you're not you're and no so, longer holding the pinion still. You're actually rotating the whole pinion, and the load on the bar style inch pound torque wrench is going to indicate your preload. Correct. It, that part I do correct. follow. And so,
2: <laughs> and so once you've once you've achieved once you find out you're in spec, uh, you're good to go.
1: So that was uh, achieving preload with a um with a crush sleeve, and how do we achieve preload with a Dana style or crush sleeve eliminator? Cause we do need to so touch that, that
2: one. It's, I would like to say it's easier, uh-huh. but there's a, some added steps that make it frustrating enough to where the level of difficulties may be a little bit, it's kind of a wash. Right. So for a Dana style opinion, instead of a crush sleeve, you just use shims. Between a shoulder machined on the pinion and the outer pinion bearing.
1: Okay, but in the outer and, the outer pinion be- bearing being by the yoke. Yep.
2: Yes. And so uh, what I'm so I'm sharing my experiences uh, doing a Dana 60 front. So I, if I remember correctly, the torque spec on the pinion nut was 250 foot pounds. Uh-huh. So as I am trying to figure out the the preload shim thickness, I'm using the old pinion nut. Because remember, um, these are pretty. These are deformed thread lock nuts. They have a limited number of uses. So for for dialing in something like uh, preload on a uh, preload shim style axle, it's good to just use the old nut until you get until you uh, hit the mark you need, and then you'd put the new nut on there uh, torque to spec.
1: Okay.
2: Let's say my factory preload shims were was again 30,000ths for sake sake of conversation. Mm-hmm. So I put that on there. I put 30 thousandths on there. Um, let's say I'm shooting for 15 to 20 inch pounds. I don't remember what the Dana 60 spec is, right. so I'm just saying 15 to 20. So don't hold me to okay. that. Um, so I put 30 thousandths on there. I run the nut down to 250 foot pounds, and I'm looking for 15 to 20 inch pounds, but I have 12. Yeah. Okay, so I'm close. But you're, So I've got 30,000 uh-huh. shim. I need to go tighter, See. so I'll take that thousandths and maybe I'll do 28 or 27. It's totally iterative. Right. There's no I mean you can use your experience on this, but because I'm close, uh, I'll shoot for a two to three thousand shim change. Typically, I try and arrange these installs for I have time to be iterative. So let's say I put 27 thousandths on there and I'm shooting for 15 to 20 and I'm right at 14. It's like, okay, well, it was a move in the right direction, clearly. So I'll I'll continue making the small move until I'm within spec. And let's say I go from 27 to 23, and I'm right at 17 inch pounds, puts me right in mid-spec at 250 foot pounds on the um, on the old pinion nut. Well, right there I know that I have the right pinion preload shim thickness. So then I would move to assembly using that thickness. And it's the same same order of operations for the crush crush sleeve style you'll have the inner pinion bearing pressed on since it's a dana axle you'll need to make sure that you have the correct shims behind the inner pinion bearing race Uh, go ahead and pack the pinion seal with vaseline that's just a recommendation you'll assemble everything uh, in the same order you would with a crush sleeve only instead of a crush sleeve you have shims and then this time you run the brand new nut down to the torque spec. If I remember correctly, the Dana 60 was 250 foot pounds. It's a deformed thread lock nut, but I still use Loctite anyway. And that's basically it.
1: And boom, we're ready to start. We're ready to work our way to the carrier. Yes. So, uh,
2: and of I course, don't... just want to, just want to note that, yeah. uh, on these final assemblies, one thing I did not <laughs> mention, um, Definitely want to make sure that you have the new pinion bearings as well as the setup bearings. I mean, anytime you're doing this stuff, setup bearings and final assembly bearings, make sure they're pre-lubed with the same gear oil that you're going to be putting in the axle at final assembly. Okay.
1: So same same weight. Well, obviously, you're probably not going to have multiple weights of fluid. You have your new fluid set aside already for your assembly. Just right. make sure you take a little bit of that and dab it on there and get the bearings all lubed. Yep. Cool. All right. We have run a little bit long. So if you guys want to go ahead and get in contact with us and sh- send us your address, we'll go ahead and ship your money to you Yeah, that you paid for this. Whatever you paid, we'll give it back but to you. It's a money back guarantee, <laughs> so we're yeah. going to send it back to you. I don't think anybody's going to be upset about this being long, uh, and I'm going to cut it down a little bit, so we'll be closer to 30 minutes. But I will say, actually, after listening to you just explain that, I now understand everything that I did wrong on my day in 44, and now I'm a little bit excited to... Put together my next axle. Yes,
2: and And as mentioned, you know you can always ask questions on the on On the the Facebook group group, Gear Install One Hundred and One. But I didn't Uh, very helpful crew there. Yeah,
1: but I didn't have anywhere to start. Like I literally didn't have a a jumping off point. So I'm like, how do you know what questions to ask when you you're not even there? You know what I mean? And so now, yeah, now listening to that, I have in my head walked through everything that takes to do that, and now I now I have a much better understanding of why you do what you do and how you do it so cool
0: where can we find this group at brian
2: so just go to facebook search your groups gear install 101 i mean just you know simple as can be it should pop up and then request to join one thing that i stress make sure you answer the questions when you're joining Uh if you do not answer the questions your invite will not be accepted
1: I feel you there, brother. (laughs) I got 30 people just like 30 some people just chilling in purgatory right now, waiting waiting to get into the group. I'm like, oh, you answer them questions. I'll let you right on in. You don't even
0: have to. It automatically lets you in. Exactly.
2: Uh, And uh, one thing, one thing I do want to stress is everything I've shared is based off my experience and what people have told me. This is not absolute. There are other right. ways to do this and do it correctly. These are just the ways that I use. This isn't so. Uh, yeah. Just in case anyone out there in internet land is like, "Oh, this guy's a croc," it's like, "Well, these ways work for me." Right? Exactly. And they've worked for many other people as well. It's somewhat just, you know, putting that out there in case we got some Karens wanting to attack.
1: <laughs> if you uh, if you guys want to attack somebody, uh, send it to a different email. We have a tech support right. group for that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> just going over to the jack Standers and tell somebody. Um. All right. Cool. So that completes episode four. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you want to go check out www.totaloffroadpodcast.com that's our website. You can also find us at Total Offroad Podcast on Facebook and Total Underscore Offroad Underscore Podcast on Instagram. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will catch you on the trail. <laughs>